I think what's happening is we've forsaken Scripture, we've forsaken God, as John MacArthur so eloquently said, and as a nation we're beginning to regret it. Every area we're looking at is falling to bits. Yeah. You know, we talk about a broken society, and the only hope is the gospel. And I think there is a silver lining to all this where we're being shut up. We're not allowed to say things, you know, not to talk about transgender people being sick. You know, that's hate speech, etc., and it's not affirming them. The silver lining is that we're being pushed off the hill of morality back to the hill of Calvary. Mm. We're saying there is n- there's no... Because we've been doing this for, what, 50 years, fighting immorality within our nation. Yeah. Are we winning with abortion? No, even the, the states that have outlawed abortion, California is going to fly people over to California to have abortions. Wow. It's like a broken dam. Yeah. And so it's pushing us back to saying... Are we conservatives or are we Christians? Are we fighting politically? Are we fighting morality on the hill of morality? Or are we going to come back to Calvary and preach Christ crucified? While you, our beloved, faithful, listening audience, cannot see me stretch today, you may hear the effects of the stretch. Ray, are you cleaning your ear while we're doing the podcast? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Busted. That yeah, was a very oh. personal thing. No, I was just poking my ear. Oh, boy. Um, I'm talking about stretching. Race I have been trying ear. to stretch for years. It doesn't work. I wish, seriously, I really wish everyone could have heard the stretching session we had just before we started on here. What is it with stretches, right? You said dogs. It's very pleasurable. Stretch. A good stretch is like a good yawn, even a good sneeze. I mean, a, a good sneeze, you go, oh, that was good. Yeah, but stretching <laughs> is fitting for someone like me who gets up at four in the morning and goes to the gym and stuff, something of which. You guys have no understanding. What's that? Did you go to the gym? Of course I did. 4 a.m. Hitting the gym. Those who go to the gym need to go to the gym. Ah. Anyway, dog stretch. That's where we're heading. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Uh, I didn't even mean to do that. But (laughs) (laughs) It's like the yawn when someone talks about yawning. It feels so good. Like my muscles are... You know, they tense and they relax. Where? And Where? Where? <laughs> I thought it was a mosquito bite. <laughs> Bob and Edna. By the way, friends, my biceps have been named Bob and Edna. Easy is showing two zits on his arms. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, why is it when I look at you, the first thing that pops into my mind is... Did you guys hear what happened? Woody Woodpecker. I had a woodpecker peck a hole into our house. Like right at the peak of where the roof meets. So I had to rent a 32-foot ladder to repair this hole. Uh, a woodpecker. I wow. saw him do it. How'd you get rid of him? Why are we calling it a him? Why are we calling it a him? Why is it a he? We oh, yeah. Assumed. Yeah, how do you uh, know? Good question. It could, been, he could yeah. have no sexual identity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, birds, man. Birds. You guys ever been attacked by a bird? Attacked by no. a bird? Actually... So in high school, at one point, these birds nested right over the girls' locker room. And so every time girls walked out of the locker room, it would attack their heads. <laughs> and we would sit there and just wait for the next person to come out. And it would swoop down and attack them. They get vicious sometimes. We had a bird where I used to live. But it was one of those kinds of birds that didn't fly much. I mean, it flew. So it wasn't like a roadrunner that's mainly on the ground. But, but it, it was like a guard bird. A guard bird. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I would drive down the street, I'd walk... But That's then probably, I chase and it would but, take but off because like a chicken. They get very, very protective of nests and very courageous. They'll, nests, they'll, attack, yeah. they'll attack a hawk, a little bit, or attack yeah. it to protect wait, wait, young. Was it Territory. you that got attacked by a goose somewhere? Yeah, it was at MacArthur Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. Goose attacking you. Yeah, so anyway, friends, today... I was very courageous. <laughs> Speaking of that, 
Speaking of that, while we're on that subject, Ray, that has been probably your most used line over the years. Wow. While we're on that subject, and you'll totally change the subject. That's called... Is that deception? It's called discretion. Ah, discretion. Discretion. You want to go somewhere, (laughs) but you don't want to be rude. It's funny, as most people don't even clue in on that. He's been doing it for years. They'll be saying, oh, yeah, well, we're on that subject. And he'll just go into something that has nothing to do with the subject. But you do that as well, very well, when you evangelize, when somebody raises a question, Ray. You know, a question that you don't want to go down a rabbit trail. You just simply say, oh, that's a good question. Speaking of that... And then you get back into yeah. going through the law. Because we, we know yeah. our agenda. It's like a slide of hand. So learn the ways of, of the rays. All right, friends. Today, we are talking about transgender women in sports. Now, you guys remember we had Owen Strand on the program before, and we did a podcast on transgenderism. But today, I want to focus on the insanity that's happening today in our culture. And friends, yes, I can say that while still being compassionate and loving. And I'm frankly tired of the game, guys. I I just have to say honestly, the reason why I'm tired of the game is because it's the most unloving thing that we can do towards transgender people. And there was a time when the words woman and man... You mean condoning what they're doing is the most unloving thing we can... Affirming. Affirming them. Yeah, I mean playing the game of pretending like men are women and women are men. It's the emperor has someone else's clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to say no clothes. <laughs> this is a G-rated program. <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, I'm tired of the game, mm. the insanity, the charade that goes on today in our culture. You guys know a little while ago, there was a Supreme Court justice that was being confirmed in the, in the Senate, and they asked her, can you define what a woman is? And she said, no, I cannot. I mean, seriously, I... But it was interesting because she mentioned the word biologist. You know, I'm not a biologist. So science (laughs) does have something to do with it. My goodness. Right? I mean, I don't know if you caught that, but... But how did we end up here? How did we end up here? I'm going to lose my mind. Like, Supreme Court justice, dignified individual on the top court... In the greatest nation on the planet, no, I can't define what a woman is. It's kind of funny to your point, Mark, because the same people who claim that Christians are anti-science throw science right out the window when it comes to arguments about abortion or transgenderism. It's like, we don't want to talk about that science. That's no longer important. Like, they become anti-science as soon as you broach this. Well, I think we, I don't know if we talked about it on here or I'm thinking of something I posted on social media, but it's crazy because... People will talk about how a transgender person is a real woman or a real man, right? But then you ask them, can you define what a man or a woman is? And they say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like, oh, oh, I, I'm not sure. It's like that is their standard answer. They're using it in sentences. And then you ask them, oh, you used a word in your sentence. What does that word mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easier. I, f- I feel your pain. Oh, I'm serious. I mean, I'm like, it's hard to put into words how maddening it is. Put it into words. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? Put it Ray? into the sound of a stretch. I interrupted it, you. Yeah, it, it's just that we years ago used to use the analogy for morality going downhill as the frog in the frying pan. You heard that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's now the frog in the microwave. Things have just sped up downhill. 
Yeah. And this is where it's, where it's heading. It's frogging an air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ray, just on this topic, I remember you and I were in New Zealand many, I mean, many years ago. While we're on that subject, is that what you're yeah, saying? While we're on that subject, <laughs> <laughs> We're in New Zealand, and you were open-air preaching, and someone began to heckle you. I remember you said, yeah, and if you're like that man over there, and then the response was, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. And then she threw a banana at you. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> that's how was, you got banana man. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that was a precursor was, to banana man. It was, it was prophetic. Yeah. It was like a, <laughs> but I was thinking about that and thinking that actually meant something. I mean, back in that time, the words had some significance. Now well, it's uh, like, let, let me just qualify so people won't think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Too now, late. episode forty something. You want to make She had a short hairstyle, and she looked kind of like a guy. And yeah. I wasn't exactly looking at her because there was a crowd in front of me, and I just yeah. assumed that it was a guy. Assumed. Assumed. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But it brought me great joy when she threw the banana at you. I don't know why. Well, it was lunch. While yeah. we're on that subject, it is unfortunate. <laughs> It'd be a good name for a podcast. <laughs> while we're on that subject, <laughs> that would be, you know, that would be actually. Well, it's <laughs> seriously. It's wildly yeah. unfortunate, and it tickles my curiosity that the same people who claim to be all about women's rights also will then allow this conversation about transgender men playing sports as women and what it does to women who have grown up putting everything they can into their passion and into their sport. And we've already seen in the short time since Article 9, we've already seen women's records being broken by biological men. Yeah. We've already seen girls who worked hard to be at the top of their game go from being, you know, first place, second place, third place, all the way down the ranks. Yeah. And so it's just unfair to women. It oppresses women. Right. Right? Like and the thing that's interesting to me is that the reason why because they talk about like segregation in sports, but we all accept segregation in sports. No. Segregation in sports is a good thing. Let me explain what I mean by that. Explain, explain what you mean. Oscar, can you explain what you mean about segregation? Explain what you mean. Maybe elaborate. I'm so glad you guys asked. <laughs> I grew up wrestling. In high school, I wrestled 153. That was my weight class. It would be unfair and dangerous for them to come along and say, we can no longer separate you by weight. You, 153 freshmen, should be wrestling this 197-pound mm, senior. That's good. It wouldn't be fair to it me. Also it also would wouldn't be, be right to wrestle women. <laughs> <laughs> it would be dangerous yeah. to allow a 153-pound freshman to wrestle a 197-pound senior what? in high school, right? Yeah. And in that same way, we separate... People in sports, based off of their gender, their weight class, their age, their ability to create a level of fair competitiveness. Right. And we are throwing that out the window for the sake of what? Insanity. Absolute insanity. Why is this happening? Yeah. Do we have an answer? Yeah, I think it's wrath. It's a Romans 1 reprobation type thing that we're seeing in our nation. You guys remember a little while ago... There was a whole story with that swimmer, Leah Thomas, who was originally Will Thomas. And listen to this. This is from The Independent. It says, on 17th of March, Leah Thomas became the first openly transgender athlete to win America's top trophy in university sports when she swam to victory in the women's 500-yard or 457-meter freestyle race. Miss Thomas, 22, won first place in the National Collegiate Athletic Association, the NCAA, a first division swimming championship 
her final competition as a collegiate athlete. So just notice even in the article the use of miss, because now you can't. You have to use the pronouns. You have to use the name. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's this whole game. But, but here's this man, a total man, six foot three man, who was, by the way, as I was researching this, by his own teammates' words, was not a very competitive athlete. Never really won anything. He was placed 500th. 500th among men in swimming goes and becomes a number one swimmer because now he says he's a woman. I mean, you see what the governor of Florida had done. Yeah, I, I just saw that, DeSantis. In fact, I have that here. It's a, he, this is what he said. He said, we're going to be doing a proclamation saying that Emma Wayant is the best female swimmer. She earned that, and we need to stop allowing organizations like the NCAA to perpetuate frauds on the public. Mm. I guess Emma, you know, she's the one that really won as a woman, and she's a Floridian, so he's doing that as a governor. And there was a picture taken with the second place, third place, and fourth place together while that winner was off on the side, but the three actual biological women took a picture together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really heartened by DeSantis doing this because, again, it goes against everything in our culture today. Everyone is playing the game. Everyone is kind of a part of the theater. But he said this. He said, by allowing men to compete in women's sports, the NCAA is destroying opportunities for women, like you were saying, Oscar, making a mockery of its championships and perpetuating a fraud. In Florida, we reject these lies and recognize Sarasota's Emma Waitman went as the best woman swimmer in the 500 freestyle. Hmm. Good for him, man. Yeah. I hope that woman feels validated. Yeah, for that. absolutely. Did you guys see that NPR interview back in 2017 with John McEnroe, the tennis player? Oh, yeah, about Serena Williams? Was with it? Serena Williams. And then he went on a morning show with uh, CBS because he made a comment saying that Serena Williams, who is the best female athlete in the world. Yeah. Well, he... He was brought to task saying, well, why don't you just say the best tennis athlete in the world? Yeah, yeah. Well, because she's not. So he got in trouble for that. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, where would she rank? And this is what he said. If Serena Williams played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 (laughs) in the world. So he was getting reamed for that. And then he goes, listen, I've got a solution for this. Allow the women to compete against the men on the men's circuit. I do think she's the greatest female player that has ever lived. So John McEnroe, who's the seven-time Grand Slam singles champion, he was number one at 170 weeks, right? So he gets asked to compare men and women, and then he takes flack for comparing men and women, right? So this is where we're at. And if you take a look at what actually happened after that, Serena, she played against a man. Most notably, she played against a man named Karsten Brash. Oh, yeah, Kirsten Brash. Who at the time was ranked 203 in men's tennis. So he was a 203rd ranked man, and he destroyed her. When was this, Mark? This was shortly after 2017. Hmm. So he beat her, Serena, and then without resting, beat her sister, Venus. Absolutely cleaned their clocks, right? So what do we see here? We see that the left are not after apologies, they're after blood, right? They want to cancel anybody who goes against the current culture. 
Mm. We need to be careful with that, right? There's a reason why there are men and women leagues. Has this happened in history before? Is there a precedent for it? Did Rome go down this road? No, no, no. It just seems. I mean, you you had you may have had transgender elements in terms of you know femininity, but nothing like this. Not the silliness of no, no. That is an actual woman. That is an actual man. What's an actual woman or man? We don't know, but that's what they are. You know, absolutely not. Not even close. Throw out Genesis, and this is what you end up getting. Mm, yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, and I wanted to on that note of what I was talking about regarding Leah Thompson or Thomas or Will Thomas. SwimmingWorldMagazine.com. This is what they went on to say. They said, The problem is that the NCAA's guidelines were based on outdated science and didn't account for the advantages of Thomas's undergoing male puberty and significant testosterone production. A 6'3 frame, greater natural strength, larger hands and feet, enhanced lung capacity, none of these edges for the record can be fully mitigated. Hmm. And that's the thing. Oh, well, they're taking, you know, hormone replacement or whatever. It doesn't change the physiology yeah. of everything else that's involved there. It's crazy. I want to slow down, take a step back, and talk about gender dysphoria for a minute and what the scriptures have to say. Yeah. Because at the center of this, I think, over-politicized, or maybe rightfully politicized argument about women in sports, we have people struggling with gender dysphoria. And the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that it offers, I think, what Jesus and the scriptures does for us is offer a solution and a rationale to somebody struggling with gender dysphoria let me, that the world just simply cannot offer. Let them. me play dumb, which is against my character for a minute. Define gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the feeling of profound discomfort with one's own sexual body. So someone who feels like they are a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body. That would be described as gender dysphoria. Here's the thing that the scriptures have to say about that. Romans 8. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hopes that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Here's what Romans 8 tells us about the world around us that it isn't right, Mm -hmm. that it's broken, that it's disrupted by our sin. And that includes our bodies. We have a fractured relationship with our bodies. Everybody does. As we get older, that becomes more apparent to us. A 12-year-old girl who's otherwise in shape going through puberty, when she walks up to her mom and says, Mom, I feel ugly. She has a fractured relationship with her body. The mom doesn't look at her and go, Oh, you feel ugly? Okay, I'm going to start treating you like an ugly person. I'm going to affirm you in your ugliness. No, we have a fractured relationship with our bodies, and that includes people who might be struggling with gender dysphoria. But the Bible tells us that we have a fractured relationship with our bodies, with each other, and with God because of our sin. And the beautiful thing about the scriptures is it provides a solution. The solution is not to lie to them, to lie to them. The solution isn't to destroy our bodies with hormone blockers. The solution is found in the reality of the brokenness of the body of Jesus. Mm. Because he went to the cross 
to transform our relationship with the world around us, with our own bodies, with each other, and with God. And through him become, he who had no sin became sin. Talk about a type of dysphoria. Here is God without sin. And Second Corinthians says he became sin. He did that so that he can right all of the wrong. He did that so there would be healing and reconciliation with our own bodies, with our own sin, all of it, right? And I think that the scriptures provide for us a way of communicating with people in the LGBTQ community, that's what they want to be described as, has a way for us to communicate to them, look, here's why you're feeling this way, but here's the solution. It's in the reconciling work of Jesus. Yeah. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, so I, I don't know anybody that's totally comfortable with their own body except easy. <laughs> I've never ever seen him walk past a mirror without stopping to admire what God created. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the, yeah, Oscar, absolutely. And we have to remember that. See, here's the thing, you know, Ray, dysphoria, right? Dysfunction. These things are indicative of something that isn't right. Like like Oscar was saying. They tell us today, and again, I don't know the the science of this, but you know, some will say, oh well some people are born genetically predisposed to alcoholism, right? Mm -hmm. They'll say, oh, some people are genetically predisposed to violence, right? Obviously, we all know this is because of the sin nature. But no one ever justifies those and says, well, then continue to be violent, continue to be an alcoholic. Uh, (laughs) No, seriously. You know know what's coming to California right now? They have it in New York. Are sanctity areas where people can shoot up heroin... With alcohol swabs and are under supervision of people to make sure that they don't overdose. I just read this in the news yesterday that they're setting up areas where people can actually take illegal drugs to make sure that they don't kill themselves by accident. Mm. Yeah, that's, and again, that shows where the insanity is going, right? Because maybe you're right. Maybe we're going to get to a point where they say, oh, you're predisposed to alcoholism. Well, let us put you in a place where you could just drink it up. You want to be violent? Yeah, let's build a world that endorses your alcoholism. Yeah, exactly. But I do want to, touch on what Oscar alluded to. This is something John MacArthur said. He said, simply stated, there is no such thing as transgender. You are either XX or XY, that's it. God made man, male and female. That is determined genetically, that is physiology, that is science, that is reality. This notion that you are something other than your biology is a cultural construct intended as an assault on God. The only way you can address it honestly is to say God made you and God made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. 
you're not only fighting God in his physical creation, you're even more importantly fighting God in his sovereignty. You're fighting God in his spiritual relationship to you. While saying that with firmness so that you understand it, I think this has to be dealt with with love and compassion. Yeah. So that's the key point because as you guys all heard, my frustration, and it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be actually righteously angry because anything that mars God's design and creation, that hurts people, that dishonors the Lord should invoke righteous indignation. But we can't divorce that from love and compassion. Because guys, we've seen this in the quote unquote conservative movement where people are full of hate and vitriol mm-hmm. and it's because it's detached from the gospel. Right, Ray? I mean, that the whole point is the gospel. Yes, absolutely. I, I've, I've been given some serious thought to what the social issues of the day were for the contemporary church in the book of Acts. Yeah. And I can't find them. <laughs> you cannot find them. I mean, they're addressed in other portions of scripture, like homosexuality, etc. Yeah. And that's because they didn't see their agenda was to go up the hill of morality and try and change society by legislation they went straight to the gospel because that we're looking at the bad fruit of godlessness and what we need to do is take the gospel and transform the human heart that's what love does there's a song about that mike luso on behalf of prager university went on the campus of ucla not too long ago and he showed a one minute video of a trans woman a guy who was biologically a male fighting a female trying to invoke a reaction out of these women that he was talking to. What do you think about this? And then proceeded to show this trans woman with his knee breaking open the skull of a woman. What? And they said, well, I think that's okay. I think that the women just need to try harder. So is this sport you're talking about? UFC fighting, yeah, ultimate fighting. Okay. Somebody had left a comment inside that YouTube video and said, uh, the world record for the high jump for men is eight feet. For women, it's six foot ten. Guess what? I guess they just need to train harder. Mm. Right? You, we need to recognize that there's a gap. In fact, the Australian national women's soccer team, they played a friendly soccer game against a Newcastle suburban under 15 boys team. So bear in mind, you have the national Australian soccer team playing just a under-15 boys' team, and the boys' team destroyed the national women's team 7-0. to 7-0. Hmm. It wasn't even close. And this is the dynamic that drives me nuts. It's that there is a competition made out of something where no competition needs to exist. Yeah. It's like men going, what? You know, those women are, are great at... Bearing babies? (laughs) I want to do that. That's not fair. What do you mean? We're different. We have different roles. We have different makeups for different reasons. And that's just crazy. I think I really believe that one of the best ways to understand an argument that you disagree with is to not interact with the worst version of that argument, but the best. And I think the best argument against what we're talking about is when people point to people in the LGBT community, people on the left, as you put it, Mark, point to the suicide rate in regards to people who are struggling with this transgenderism. But don't they blame that on us? They do. Yeah. Yeah. They say that the reason why that suicide rate is so high is because they're struggling and they're not allowed to truly express themselves. Here's 
Here's the thing though, Ryan T. Anderson, he's a researcher in 2019, so not that long ago, he did a comprehensive study and he realized, he discovered first that it is true. People in the transgender community are disproportionately, significantly higher than any other community in the United States for the potential of committing suicide and the desire to ultimately. But one of the other things that he discovered was that even after receiving hormone blockers and going through surgery to transform your bodies, and even when you're in an affirming community with affirming parents, you still have a significantly higher suicide rate. In other words, this whole idea of let's just affirm the feelings and ignore the facts, it's not working. The suicide rate, which I am devastated over, We don't like that at all. We've done a movie about suicide. We don't want anybody taking their own lives. The suicide rate isn't, it's not helping the problem. Is it possible that as a culture, we got it wrong, that affirming the lie is not the way to save people from these struggles? Right. Yeah, and Ray, you've heard of the stories, I'm sure, of people that did the transgender reassignment surgeries and regretted it. Like, I mean, (laughs) and they can't go back. But there's been even testimonies of people that have gotten radically born again who had done that and then their eyes were open. Talk about the regret of sin, Ray, when you can't go back and undo certain things in life and, and just the position that puts you in. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But it's interesting how we can't go back one second in time. Mm. And a lot of the scripture says, ponder the paths of your feet. And I think what's happening is we've forsaken scripture, we've forsaken God, as John MacArthur so eloquently said. And as a nation, we're beginning to regret it. Every area we're looking at is falling to bits. Yeah. You know, we talk about a broken society. And the only hope is the gospel. And I think there is a silver lining to all this where we're being shut up. We're not allowed to say things, you know, not to talk about trans gender people being sick, you know, that's hate speech, etc., and it's not affirming them. The silver lining is that we're being pushed off the hill of morality back to the hill of Calvary. Mm. We're saying there is n- there's no, because we've been doing this for, what, 50 years, fighting immorality within our nation. Yeah. Are we winning with abortion? No, even the, the states that have outlawed abortion, California is going to fly people over to California to have abortions. Wow. It's like a broken dam. Yeah. And so it's pushing us back to saying, are we conservatives or are we Christians? Are we fighting politically? Are we fighting morality on the hill of morality? Or are we going to come back to Calvary and preach Christ crucified? Amen. Yeah, moralism is not the answer. Yeah. You know, it's the gospel. Speaking of not being able to go back and change sin, just reminds me of like that haircut you have right now, Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay your barber. Thank you, Lord. It's not permanent. You didn't get a permanent? <laughs> no, no, Pam's. So... Here's the thing, guys, because in the midst Isn't of all of this... Isn't here's the thing, such a here's funny a thing. thing. Here's the thing, so On that note. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, I, I was just going to say, too, that it's not just, you know, limited to the swimming thing or the wrestling thing, like you, you talked about, Mark, or the tennis thing, right? But it goes into so many areas. I mean, a while back, there were two transgender teenagers in Connecticut that won the high school championship track meet. And lo and behold, guess what? They were first and second. What a surprise, you know? There was, I don't know if you guys remember the weightlifter from New Zealand, actually, mm. a Laurel Hubbard, who was originally Gavin Hubbard. 
But yeah, it says Laurel Hubbard ignited protests of unfairness after winning two gold medals and a silver medal in the 2019 Pacific Games. Hubbard is a six foot one, 280 pound, and the oldest woman in the Olympic competition at 43, right? And I think he, he didn't end up winning in the Olympics, but 43, right? But two golds and a silver, what do you expect? Hmm. It, it's a man, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. Easy, it's so dumb that they're so strict on drugs that could enhance your performance. Yeah. And this is like already enhanced physically. It's ridiculous. Right. And why is it you never see transgender men wanting to compete against men? You know, women who, (laughs) it's so stupid to say, became men. I was a woman now when I compete against men in the weightlifting. And it's always the other way around. And it's because it's obvious. As Christians, we need to declare a special day of sanity where we all just come together and just (laughs) hum or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get away from this, it's just crazy. How normal would a bunch of us look hanging together humming? humming. (laughs) Those those are the sane ones. (laughs) (laughs) But again, in the midst of all of this, guys, are human souls, Mm. precious, precious souls that need redemption. And there is a lot of, and I think there are times when especially young people are the victims of this culture because they're being told constantly, this is how you're born. Like that video I sent you and Ken Ham. Oh, with the polyamory three people. It was a lesbian, then two men who were dressed up like women. The only one that looked like a man was a woman who was <laughs> looked like... It was just Polyamory like, is dual marriage. Multiple. Multiple yeah, can, husbands and wives right. all in one And they had marriage. these precious kids and they won't gender them. They'll let them gender themselves later. And, and, and it was just... And But they're talking about it like it's so normal. And the narrator's like... And so my heart breaks for those growing up in this era. Mm-hmm. So I want to speak to those right now that are listening whose kids have said, I'm transgender, who are actually dealing with this sort of thing. And I want to lay out a scenario, and I want to put Mark Spence on the spot. So Mark, one of your sons comes to you. <laughs> wait, wait. Yes, Where yes. are you going with us? One of my sons, what? Comes to you <laughs> and says, Dad, I'm a woman. And these are like real case scenarios. And the reason why I want to put you on the spot is because parents are put on the spot, right? I mean, they get this, right? Boom. The kid comes and says, hey, guess what? Parents had no idea. One of your boys comes to you and says, Mark, dad, I'm actually a, a female. And side note, his one of his sons listens to the podcast, so <laughs> not you, the not other you. one. Yeah, and definitely the other one. Mark, you just to say um, you're a woman too, and you don't want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> but your son says, Dad, I'm a female. I want you to start calling me Gisilda from now on. Yeah. And I want you to do, use he, she. And so that's what I want, Dad. Let me tell you what not to do at the beginning. Yeah. Don't make fun of them. Mm-hmm. This is a very real issue. They're already walking on eggshells. And I say that because my dad, I, I just turned 50, and my father wrote me a letter, and he apologized to me for something that I don't even remember, which was I went to him for advice about women. And he said that he kind of blew it off, and he's lived with it ever since. And I called him up, and I said, Dad, I, I go, I don't even remember that taking place. Yeah. But he had said, I did not handle the situation the way I should have handled it. Now, he wasn't a Christian at the time, and now, you know, God has redeemed him by the grace of Christ, right? I, I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to blow it off. I'm not going to belittle it. I'm not going to belittle him. I'm going to take it as a very serious conversation, and I'm going to ask questions as to what's going on. In the meantime, I'm keeping track of what is going on in the person's life, Yeah. right? Because I'm ultimately going to bring it back to a biblical issue. 
Right. Remember, what a transgender individual, they want you to, to accept them for the way they are, but they can't accept themselves for the way they really are. Mm. Think about that for just wow. a moment, yeah. right? Accept me for the way I am, but I'm not going to accept me for the way I am. Yeah. There's a problem with that. That's really deep, Mark. And I think we, you know, I don't want to miss what you just said there. I want to, I want to just kind of highlight that because this, again, is part and parcel with the lack of logical reasoning that's used. I mean, that's very profound. Accept me for the way I am, but I'm not going to accept myself for the way that I am. Right. Wow. Yeah. And ahead. you consider like gender reveal parties. If a woman wants to keep the baby and they find out what the baby is, they don't say, well, we are having a human being, <laughs> right? As if they're shocked. They say, no, we're having a boy, we're having a girl. That's what they say. They don't say, well, what do you know? There is something there, and when the baby is born, the baby will tell us when it's able to talk what it actually is. No, these gender reveal parties are exactly what they are. It is a boy, it is a girl. There's no confusion over the matter. So if my child came to me, I would really, through a Socratic method, begin to ask a lot of questions. Why do you feel that way? What are you thinking? What's going on inside your mind? Do you believe still in a foundation for biblical truth? Mm. If the Bible is not your foundation for truth, what is your foundation for truth? I'm just curious. And the moment they begin to say, well, it's my feelings, it's my emotions, it's my school teacher, it's this book that I read, then it's easily demonstrable that that book is flawed, that personality is fickle, that individual makes mistakes. And if they're making mistakes... How do you know you're not making a mistake about you in your current situation? Because the Bible is our ultimate source of authority that doesn't have any mistakes, any contradictions. It is the ultimate source for truth. So I'm going to gear, direct, and steer my child right back to the Word of God. In the beginning, God created man and woman. Right. That's it. It's man and woman. Now, that's not to say that you can't have some sort of an anomaly and those things take place. Hermaphrodites. Yep, that could be a conversation perhaps for another time unless we want to get into that. But when we examine what's going on, no, God doesn't make mistakes. What happens is you have sinfully entertained things that are not from above. And Scripture reminds us and encourages us to set our minds on those things which are from above. And when you're not doing that, you're going to believe lies Mm. are truth. And that is what has happened with my child, and I want to take them down the direction in order for them to see that. That's beautiful. Oh, yes. Very good, Mark. Yeah. Where does the demonic part come into this? Mm. Well, I've quoted this often in Ephesians 2, you know, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I think that undoubtedly there is a demonic agenda behind this, no question, and that's influencing the surge of this sort of thing. So I love that, Mark. You guide them with love because the stereotypical expected response is, what? Flipping out, yelling, screaming. But we bear the fruit of the Spirit in all that we do, and we speak the truth in love. But nonetheless, we use a firmness and, and we speak that truth. And for the same reason, I would not attend a wedding where they are pretending to be one sex and then they marry the same sex or an opposite sex, right. you know, where there's craziness going on. I'm, going to, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Right? You can't get me out of your life, but I'm not going to celebrate exactly. behavior that caused Christ to die. Yeah, and, and I wanted to touch on that, but let's close that discussion, though. So at the end of the day, you do all that with your, your son, and then at the end he says, no, I'm Jazilda and I want you to call me Gisilda and, and use he, who use she, her for my pronouns. Well, if, listen, if, if they change their name, 
they legally changed their name, I probably would call them by their name. But what I won't do is if it's a boy and they want to go by a girl, I'm not going to say her and she. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. They and them. No, I would I'm, agree with that. Because that's lying. Yeah. Right? And that, this is why people say, well, what's the big deal? Come on. Join the bandwagon. No, I cannot affirm that because it's lying. Yeah. It's lying. Right. So I wonder if Johnny Cash is going to be pulled over the coals for his song, A Man Named Sue. Oh. <laughs> and think about that. Yeah. And, and again, these are interesting discussions. And that's good. Yeah. You wouldn't use a he, she. On a personal level, I wouldn't personally even change the name. I would say to them, look, you're my child. And that's the name I gave you. And you know, I mean, because if they want to be called something like Jennifer or Gisilda or Linda and it's a male, then, you know, I feel like, and I feel like, especially with parents, you have a right to be able to say to your child, I love you. And if it's overtly feminine, like if his name's Bob and he really wants to go by Jennifer, yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah. With a clear conscience, I couldn't do that. Right. But if his name is Bob and he wants to go by Pat, yeah. you know, then I might call him Pat. Yeah. You know, it's not overtly But feminine. you'll still, he, he him. Yeah, I can't course. do it. But in the same way, right? So if my, if my son says, listen, I have a girlfriend and we're living together mm. and we want to come over for the weekend. We now live in Texas. We want to come over and we want to live with you or we want to stay the weekend with you guys. Yeah, you're welcome to stay with us, but you'll be in separate rooms mm-hmm. because I do not allow sin to reign right. inside this place. Yeah. Man, yeah, you guys are just making parenting so simple in my generation. <laughs> Seriously, I look back at bringing my kids up and you wouldn't even afford something yeah. like this. Think of the complexities of what parents face today, wow. you know. And Mark, I'm glad you brought up the whole thing about gay weddings, right? Because what's happening is we're becoming desensitized right. because... Now the question is posed legitimately by people. And I understand there's a legitimate aspect to it in terms of like, this is a real scenario. But we've become desensitized because there are times when people are actually considering it. Should I go to this gay wedding? Should I not? And I have sympathy because of the influence of the culture. But again, it's that desensitization. But no one would ever like be, oh, that's cool. Or should I go if someone said, hey, I'm marrying my mom this weekend. Want to come to the wedding? Be in my wedding? Give it time. Exactly, though. That's what I'm saying. Little by little. The things that were like, of course not, that we used to use as ridiculous scenarios are now becoming like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, put it into perspective, right? So I want you just to sit in the back seat of the car and watch me while I go rob this bank. Mm. Now, you're not robbing the bank, but I want you to just be an observer in the back seat as you watch through the window, I'm going to rob the bank. We would never, on our best day, begin to think, or worst day, I'm going to watch my child rob a bank, and I'm going to be sitting in the back seat. Why not? Well, because it's against the law. Ah, who gets to define the law? I, uh, one of the first fights I got into in high school was because a friend of mine who was gay was getting picked on by two guys because he was gay. And I was about 100 yards away, and I saw the backpacks go down, and I knew why the situation was happening because they were poking fun at him for a long time for weeks to come. And so the first fight I got, got into in high school was to defend someone who was gay. Yeah. Years later, that person would invite me to his gay wedding and I was a new Christian, newer-ish, a couple years in, and I didn't go. And to your point, and the reason why is because when we go to a wedding, we don't just go as a guest, we go as a witness. Mm-hmm. And we go to affirm something that we believe to be beautiful and good that God is doing between those two individuals. And in that sense, it's like, man, I love you and I'm still your friend and I want to be a part of your life, 
but I can't go as a witness to this. It's like your wife coming to you and saying, hey, I want you to attend my wedding. You're like, wait, what? We're already married. Right, no, right. my wedding to somebody else. Can't. Yeah. We're, you mean we're currently married and you want to marry somebody else at the same time? Yeah. I cannot be a witness to that. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that Christians should be the first to intervene and protect someone who's homosexual, transgender from being bullied and beaten. And of course, that's what love does, you know? But at the same time, we need to be the first to speak lovingly into those people's lives, especially when we know them, to tell them, look, this is wrong. It's because I love you. I'm not going to this thing that's really not a wedding because you're not you're not married in reality, you know? Did you ever get to share the gospel with that person? I did, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And you guys remember that story that I've read, uh, the interaction I had with that homosexual who had uh, interacted with me online, that I said, I would take a bullet in your place if I needed to, because I love you, I care about you. And that guy ended up repenting and, you know, turning to the Lord. So we have to remember that. But in that whole Supreme Court confirmation thing, Uh, One of the senators asked the judge that said she couldn't say what a woman or a man is. He transitioned it, (laughs) transitioned, he he transitioned over to talk about race. He says, well, what if someone identifies, and he gave a certain case regarding people who were treated egregiously in a certain race or whatever. What if someone wanted to identify as a different race? Is that okay? You know, and that's the thing. Why not? Right? If I'm a man, I can say I'm a woman. Why can't I say I'm a certain gender or I'm a certain Do you age? remember when that happened? There was a, a woman in Washington State, I think. She was a professor. And she was a part of all of these, like, black nonprofit, like, leagues that were, like, trying to move forward equality amongst the black community. She was embedded. And they, it can't, turns out that she, and she claimed to be a black woman. And, like, 10 years into her career, they found out that she was white. Oh, are you talking about Rachel Dolezal? Is that yeah, her name? yeah, that's her. Yeah, and she got well, her parents she, came out. Yeah, she got destroyed absolutely. because everyone's like, you can't, yeah. you can't, aff- right. you can't be something that you're not. But yeah. a lot of those same people would affirm those who say they're the opposite gender. Right, Mark, you're gonna say the sole reason, sole reason why Kintanji was nominated here by our president was because she's a black female. Right. And then ask the question about what is a woman, she cannot answer (laughs) the question. And then bringing up the area of race, can't either. Can you imagine if Biden came along and said, I don't know who I'm going to nominate, but I'm just going to make sure that it's a white male. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. Right? Imagine if we had a college system set up, a scholarship. The scholarship is solely set up for white people. And we're going to call it the United Cracker College Fund, right? Imagine the venom that's going to come from people for things like this. So what's keeping it alive is when we continually bring these things up. We need to stop bringing issues and subjects like this up and look at the qualifications of what they've actually done. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, exactly. And, And the whole point is when you open up that Pandora's box and you begin to establish that someone can identify as whatever they want. And it has transferred. I mean, they are now, there are like trans species identification that's happening. And you ask people on the street, you say, yeah, why not? If a man can say that they're a woman, if someone can change their, their race, then you could say you're anything. I say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an invisible albino grasshopper with freckled toes, one of which identifies as a visible naked mole rat tooth. Why not? It actually explains so much about you. <laughs> 
I, I now completely understand your personality. Easy. Thank but you for why clarifying. not? Right? Because I can identify as whatever. We have now reached the crescendo of this program. <laughs> <laughs> that was the pinnacle. But guys, let, let me just say, and wrapping this up, it all comes down to scripture. You find the essence of this in Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. And again, this is Old Testament, and it's demonstrating God's perception on this. Every culture is different, right? They may have donned things in their culture that today would look feminine in ours, but every culture has its context of what is clearly masculine and feminine. And, and the principle is, don't mix those things up. And it goes back to what Jesus said and what was quoted earlier, Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And what's Jesus doing here? He's referencing Genesis 1, which I think Mark cited earlier. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. There's no confusion in God's mind on this. Love seeing the masculinity of Jesus when he cleared the temple. Oh, yeah. flexed his muscle as a carpenter, and they ran. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's, it's fitting. And, and I want to end with this quote. This is by Kevin DeYoung. He said, Some would argue that the Bible says nothing about the explosion of the transgender phenomenon in the Western world. After all, there's no verse that says, Thou shalt not transition from a man to a woman. But neither are there any verses that talk explicitly about gun violence, anorexia, waterboarding, fossil fuels, vaccines, GMOs, HMOs. We should not expect the Bible to speak in 21st century terms to every 21st century eventuality. But that hardly means the Bible provides no guidance for Christians trying to make sense of our transgender moment. In fact, when it comes to transgenderism, the Bible actually has a lot to say, not by a proof text here or there, but by a rich and pervasive understanding of gender and sexual identity. Comes down to God's word, and we know what scripture says on the matter. That's a rock. Yeah. All right, friends. Wow. What a discussion. We hope you've been encouraged today. Email at podcast at email.com. Podcast Living Water. What I can't are you remember. trying to say? <laughs> I can't even remember our podcast email address. Easy, you're a man. Out. Now you can do yeah. this. Podcast at livingwaters.com. That's what it is, friends. Email us. Give us your thoughts, your questions, ideas, program thoughts, and make sure to check out the Evidence Bible. In fact, this is a comment from someone who went and commented. They said, thank you, Living Waters, for putting this podcast together. I love the latest podcast. No, that's not the one I want to read. Boy, I'm blowing this ending today, aren't I? I love it. Here it is. Favorite podcast. It's normal. It's favorite podcast from Johnny from here to there. Started off listening to this because I love the Evidence Bible and figured I would give it a go. After two episodes, it has become my favorite podcast. Woo! Awesome. So, hey, the Evidence Bible leads to great things, friends. (laughs) Check it out at livingwaters.com and make sure to give us a rating, a comment. And stick with us. And I know you never will listen again after today. (laughs) Please. Please. Bye. Winner, 
winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.